Hey everyone, welcome to the Live Revolutionary Podcast and I am your host, Vanessa Cruz. Man, it's been a crazy summer, but I am so happy to be back. Today I want to tackle the issue of discovering your identity and I don't mean creating your own identity. That's what secular psychology would have you do in order to build up, you know, self-esteem, whatever the case is. No, we don't need to create an identity. What we need to do is discover and embrace the identity that God has already given us in Christ Jesus. And so there's a number of reasons why I feel like I need to touch base on this topic. You know, here and there throughout some other podcasts, I always touch on this issue because I feel like there's a root here and the enemy is constantly attacking this root of identity. And so I just wanted to hit this topic hard with some truth and just help you identify some patterns of how your identity is affected, um, where anxiety fits into all this and where self-esteem fits into all of this. Okay. So, um, one of the first reasons is many of you do not like who you are. And I'm hearing this all the time. This isn't just something, um, that women go through. I hear this with men as well. So this is like a humanity issue. Okay. Many of you do not like who you are. You think you're not smart enough you're too loud, you're too soft-spoken, or you're too careful, or you're too ambitious, or you're too creative, and so therefore you're unorganized, or you're so technical, um, or you know, so academic that you're too stuffy, and so you think you're boring. So there's always this, like when you talk to people, there's always this spectrum that they find themselves on, and it's always two, quote-unquote. And so anytime that you hear yourself think, oh, I'm to this, there's a lie in your midst. There's a lie present. And I want to help you identify some of those and connect some dots as to where these lies are coming from. I feel like this is my passion. You know, I help people connect dots and it always comes down to identity. And I promise guys, nine times out of 10, when I am with a client or when I'm counseling somebody or talking to somebody, the psychological issue that they're dealing with is usually just an issue. It's not severe enough to be considered um, a mental health disorder or a mental illness. Nine times out of 10, because I see a lot of Christians, I feel like the root is always, man, this is an identity issue. If you just locked on and if you could just grasp or catch the revelation of what God says about you in this area or what the word says about this particular situation in this area, you wouldn't even have to deal with this. And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this issue of like self-hate. Why is it that we don't like ourselves and how that's so strategic? It's strategic, meaning it's on purpose. The enemy would have you hate yourself because when you hate yourself, you can't do anything else but be self-absorbed and self-centered. And you can't think about what's going on in the world. You're not objective enough um, to pick up on patterns and how the enemy is moving so that the church of Christ can counter that and bring truth to those areas. And so I want to talk about how it's personally, how lies are personally affecting you and bringing about identity crisis, um, low self-esteem, and then ultimately anxiety. Okay. So number one, one of the reasons I want to talk about this is because many of you do not like who you are. You think you're too, quote unquote, you fill in the blank. And then the second reason is I want to talk about why do you think that this is a thing? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why is our identity in Christ so important and why do we get hit up in this area? 
And I think it's because if you have a right understanding of who you are in Christ, it is literally your armor. And I mean, and I'm talking about that Ephesians chapter six armor that is meant to protect you against the evil schemes. So check this out. Okay. This is like, this is warfare here. If the enemy can have you believing lies about yourself, it means that in some area of your spiritual self, your spiritual being, your mind, um, you are unprotected somewhere. And what I mean by that is one of the pieces of armor that we're going to talk about later is the belt of truth. Um, And you're going to find out how important this belt of truth is because every other piece of armor gets attached to this belt. So if this belt of truth, which is your compass, which is a piece of armor, is is not on right or is kind of sagging off of you or doesn't even fit you right anymore, then you are going to be left unprotected, which, which makes you susceptible to all manner of lies, to all manner of ideologies, deceit, um, unbiblical worldviews, uh, lies in the form of like personal attacks and strategies against you. And, you know, usually these strategies or schemes are found in the area of uh, these four different areas, temptation, accusation, condemnation, and deceit, but especially deceit, right? We know that from the garden, one of the first tools that the enemy uses against the children of God is deceit, is to have you thinking twice, is to have you believe a lie, something that was twisted. And um, we also know that the devil is literally named the father of lies. I want you to check out this one verse. Jesus is speaking against a group of people. In it, he describes Uh, an attribute of Satan. So it's John chapter eight, verse 44. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was, meaning the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. My God, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So anything that is contrary to truth, we now have someone we can point to. Anything that is outside of truth, therefore comes from the father of lies. So any, any, um, lie that you believe about yourself, any lie that you find within the environment or the culture or a prevailing ideology within society, that is a lie. And it comes from Satan. He is the instigator of all lies. That is his native language. And he is the father, meaning the originator of lies. And so um, that's why I want to I focus particularly on how the enemy can deceive you, which in turn affects your self-esteem and identity and how that ultimately produces anxiety. So I want to talk about lies and how we end up believing them. Okay. Some lies and experiences are completely strategic, personal attacks that were initiated by the enemy, especially, listen to me folks, especially during your childhood. I literally just had somebody today. Today, I just talked to somebody and they said, well, my father would get angry at me 
if we were in a social situation, when she was a child and they were in a social situation, he would get angry at her if she was not talkative or extroverted like other little girls were. What I started to pick up on is that her father had a particular idea in mind of what a daughter should behave like. And so as she was speaking and I was picking up on the bigger picture, I saw nothing, it was just as clear as day. He set standards and expectations for her um, in almost every area of her life. So here's the standard in terms of like academics and school. This is the standard socially, et cetera, et cetera. And so what happens is, is that you begin to think that there are standards for behavior in every social setting or in every area of, of life. Some of you have dealt with comments like, well, you're good for nothing, which will eventually make you feel inadequate. That will follow you out into adulthood. Some of you were bullied or socially outcasted, which made you feel rejected, and that would carry on into adulthood. Um, some of you were parented in a way that made you feel emotionally abandoned. And so before you know it, you're like 26 years old. And so it looks like I must perform this way. Whatever it is that you imagine would yield approval from that person, uh, which means you never are you. You are becoming who you think you should be. You never are you. Instead, you're just evolving and always becoming what you imagine you should be. On a personal note, for me, some of you know that I, I, you know, I've sprinkled it throughout some of my podcasts, but I, I had a very traumatic childhood and I had a very abusive father and I had, um, what looking back and, and, you know, again, just being able to have that objective perspective on life. Um, now that I'm in my thirties, I can look back and I'm like, man, that was warfare. Um, what the enemy, um, you know, what he had in store for my, for my life truly um, was to take me out so that I cannot do the, end up doing the work that God had um, in mind for me and in his heart for me. And so my father would call me stupid my whole, like my whole existence, the whole time that I was with my father, um, which was for 16 years. Um, he called me stupid when he really thought that I was just stupid and, and I just couldn't comprehend math or he would just call me stupid. Um, like in terms of just like a, you know, how some people have pet names, you know, he would be like, you know, Hey, stupid, you know, and so call me as if that were my name. And so here's the thing about lies. If you hear them long enough, you're going to believe them. And so I grew up really thinking that, you know, what was just a, an issue with math, um, was actually that I was not intelligent, that I wasn't smart. And so I really felt like I, I was stupid and what that manifested into as I got older was severe social anxiety. I didn't want to talk to people, especially authority figures. Um, I, I obviously could not public speak in fear that I would sound stupid. And so um, looking back and, and looking at the healing process that God um, put me through, I began to see that it was truth that began to set me free. Um, for instance, it wasn't until I started getting my bachelor's degree that I discovered after receiving my first progress report and I had straight A's, I thought, and I remembered this distinctly, I thought to myself, oh my gosh. And this was, I was an unbeliever guys. And I looked at this and, and, and I looked at, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not stupid. 
And it was eye-opening for me. I All this time, I really thought I was stupid. And here I am trying my best, and I've got straight A's. And then so I get saved about five years after that moment. And, you know, you know how people are in the Church of God is. It's just so beautiful. And people just started pointing out what they saw in me. Um, and then God began to speak to me out of his word, highlighting certain verses that dealt with preaching the gospel. And, you know, I was like, oh, no, you know, I'm still I'm I'm slowly beginning to understand and sort of work out this intellectual muscle that God has given me, you know, to learn things and just having the confidence that I can retain this knowledge. And, um, and now he's pointing out scriptures about preaching the gospel, which obviously would entail like public speaking. Um, and you know, guys, I remember it was like one of the first, it was like maybe the first three months of being saved. And we had this week called Glory Week, and it was like service every single day. And then at the end, the pastor that Sunday was like, who was here the whole week? And I raised my hand, and unfortunately, he called on me to come and give a testimony. Guys, I don't even think that testimony made any sense. I just remember I was sweating like crazy. And like, I promise you, like, the mic could have like slipped out of my hand because of how much sweat was on that mic. And I just remember I was shaking and my voice was shaking and everything else that comes with social anxiety, like a pounding heart, you know, probably even thought I was going to die in that moment. Like, like onset of panic attacks were happening. Like I, I just remember I was dreadfully scared. And, um, and so and then throughout time, as people began to push me in this area and people would speak truth over me, over what they saw, the potential they saw in me, it was those truths that were setting me free. It was those truths because truths always root out lies. And I had the audacity to believe those truths of what and believe what people were saying about me, believe what God was showing me and allow myself to be challenged in those areas. And, and now, um, you know, I still experience, you know, I think what's normal nervousness, maybe even adrenaline rush before I go and speak, but I, I've been completely set free from social anxiety because every anxiety disorder is rooted in a fear. And if you can discover that fear and just just hit it hard. You know, sometimes you need to go in like a surgeon, but sometimes you need to break out a hammer and you need to pound the heck out of a lie. And so with truth, I just began to pound at lies in my life with uh, the sword of truth. So some lies are personal attacks, like we just discussed. Some were from childhood, some were spoken over you, some you just came to believe um, just out of experiences. And then some lies are created by our environment, our culture and its prevailing ideologies. What do, what do I mean by that? Some are like lies that are created just by environment, like our school system teaches us right from the get-go that our performance is going to be measured. And what happens is, and there's nothing wrong with measuring performance. I think what's wrong is, what's wrong is, is if you don't meet a particular standard, let's just say you fail, what ends up happening is you don't, you don't just, you can't make the distinction as a child that you're just failing what you end up doing is believing you're a failure and you just don't believe that you've disappointed your parents and your parents don't, you know, sometimes don't know enough to help you make the distinction that you just 
it wasn't that you just disappointed them, but we end up believing that we are a disappointment. And so one is an experience, one is an identity issue, and it always ends up being the latter. It always ends up turning into an identity issue. And so uh, that lie would sound like in order to be successful or to have worth, it means that you have to have some type of performance-driven based behavior. Another lie would be the lie of what beauty looks like. Um, and in every culture and every society, beauty looks different. And depending on what you believe, it could lead to an eating disorder. And then some lies are believed because of what the government or society sanctions and says is okay or right, even though it's obviously against God's word. These lies, whether they're from our childhood, our environment, or lies that we've told ourselves, like it's totally just self-induced, if they're left untreated by the word of God, it can become a diagnosable mental illness. And it usually leads to a, some type of generalized anxiety disorder and or depression. So the question is then, how do we treat and protect ourselves from lies and these false belief systems? And that's where the truth, that's where that armor comes in. And if you, you take a look at Ephesians 6 and you really do a study on the pieces of armor, I mean, we all love to post those verses and those pictures of like, you know, uh, being suited up in armor and it just looks so cool and it makes you feel like, man, you know, like, I don't know, you're awesome. And it's just so cool to envision and think about, but I think we rarely actually study to understand that each armor is actually a piece of your identity in Christ and that's meant to protect you, like Ephesians says, from the devil and his schemes. And so what is the belt of truth, okay? So if you look at that piece of armor, every other piece of armor hinges on the belt of truth. Well, what is truth? John 17, 17, Jesus says, Jesus is praying to the Father. He gives a clear, straightforward definition of truth. He says, God's word. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He's speaking of the body of Christ. He's speaking of the church. He says, they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world, and therefore sanctify them, right? Purify them by the truth. And he says, your word is truth. And so why do we need this? Because this, the truth of God that is found within the word, it informs your direction for life. The relationships we choose to be in or not be in, it informs our sense of identity, what we stand for, what we live for, uh, what you think about, what you speak about. I mean, I want you to think about this. What has truth done for you? Think about some behavior that you engaged in before the Lord and think about what you think about it now. Nine times out of 10, you feel some kind of way about that. You know that that behavior was sinful or, or unpleasing to God because of the belt of truth. So the word of God is our compass. It's like, it's like a lie detector. It not only teaches you to not lie, but how to point out lies, how to identify lies. The Bible says it's living, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's so awesome. Only truth can root out a lie. So we got to be in our word. We have to study it 
daily, not just devotionals. Devotionals are surface level. And I've said it like this before, the type of Bible study that you engage in will manifest in the type of Christian that you become. So if you are having a daily diet of surface level devotionals, you will remain a surface level Christian. If you make time to dig into the word, you're busting out the commentaries, you are praying, Holy Spirit, illuminate these verses in my spirit and teach me. And you are dedicating some time to studying the word and the depth of the word, then you will in turn become a deep, unmovable, immovable Christian. So the last thing I want to, um, the last thing that I want to speak about is I want to give you uh, this picture. An identity is something that is bestowed by some higher authority, okay? Otherwise, you can just create your own. But a true identity is only bestowed by some higher authority. For instance, I when I became um, a Marine, and I was, after I became a Marine, they said, okay, this is, you are now a Marine. This is how you act. This is what you embody, and this is what you will do within the Marine Corps. It's called an MOS, a military occupation, occupational specialty, okay? And it was because it, something with a higher authority bestowed on me a title Marine, everything about me changed. I embodied the values, the Marine Corps values. I, like, wanted to become the best Marine. There's a whole story behind all of that. Um, and so that's, like, in a worldly sense, okay? The ultimate authority, God himself has bestowed on us titles upon titles, the best being child of God. So I want to end this um, by just declaring over you um, some truths that the word has to say about your identity. Here we go. You are free forever from condemnation. You are assured that all things work together for good. You are free from any condemning charges against you. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You are confident that the good work that God has begun in you will be perfected. You are a citizen of heaven. You can find grace and mercy in time of need. You are born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You are God's child. You are Christ's friend. You have been justified. You are united with the Lord and you are one in spirit with him. You have been bought with the price. You belong to God. You are a member of Christ's body and family. You have been adopted as God's child. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. You have been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins and you are complete in Christ. Now, I already know what some of you are probably thinking. I wish I felt that. I hear all the time. I wish I felt God's love. I wish I felt ABC. You may not feel these things. You just believe them. You may not feel like you're married, but you know you entered into a covenant. You may not feel saved, but you know you are saved. You may not feel forgiven, but you know and you believe you are forgiven in that same way you know these truths. I love you all, and I'll talk soon. Well, that's all for now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And remember to think, feel, and love.
revolutionary.